Hello and welcome to this week's episode. My name is John, and I believe everyone has interesting stories to tell that can start with one question. What's your name? My name is Justin. Well, hello, Justin. Hello. And welcome to the What's Your Name podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. First things first, well, I, guess I already said it, but thank you for, for being on the podcast. You know, and I know it's something that you and I have talked about at length before and uh, you had said that when I finally started it up to let you know. So thank you for taking the time to be here. Yeah, you're welcome. Like I said, I, uh, I'm honored to be a, a guest. I know that you and I talked at length about it, as you said. And when you first approached me and talked to me about the idea, I was very interested because, you know, you're right. There is always a story to tell behind people, just, you know, not just their names, but there's always stories to tell. And, you know, I got quite a few stories to tell. <laughs> Well, I guess uh, if you want to go ahead and actually kind of introduce yourself uh, with as as much as you want to share. Okay. Well, my name is Justin, and let's see. I was born and raised in Hawaii on a small island named Molokai, and the population of the island is roughly anywhere between 7,500 to 8,000 people. So uh, I grew up there, born and raised uh, I didn't leave the state until I was 17, and that was to go on a school trip to Washington, D.C. Hmm. Once I graduated, I went to college in Oregon, and I was there for almost two years, and then I came up to uh, Minnesota. To Initially, it was just to help uh, my brother and sister, who were already established here, but I didn't expect to stay. Uh, I was going to try and continue moving east. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, uh, I ended up staying, and I've been here in Minnesota ever since. And that was, geez, over twenty years ago, so wow. nineteen ninety-eight. Yeah, wow, 19- that is uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. So I mean, going from Hawaii to Minnesota, that's a that's a bit of a <laughs> of a difference. Oh, that's completely <laughs> opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, I often get asked, you know, how I ended up here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. and how did I choose Minnesota? And I joke around, and more times than not, I'll say, I was just lucky <laughs> <laughs> or unlucky, you know, however however you want to look at it. But, yeah, I often get asked, how do you deal with the cold? You know, what brought you to Minnesota? You're from Hawaii? Oh, my God, how did you leave someplace so beautiful? And, um, you know, Hawaii is great. I, I loved growing up there. There's so many fond memories of Hawaii. Hawaii's always going to be home to me. Mm-hmm. I just don't see myself living there. But I will admit that... Every time that I've gone back, it has been more difficult to leave uh, as I've gotten older. And I think, you know, once I decide to retire, I'd probably go back home. That would probably be the time for me to to go back home to Hawaii. Okay. Well, you said once you retire. Once that kind of comes along, are there any places that you'd you'd like to visit before necessarily kind of settling down yeah uh, i mean i do want to do some traveling and it's just been difficult to accomplish some of the traveling goals that i've had i mean i have three kids you know mm-hmm. uh 19 year old who's in the air force and married <laughs> <laughs> but he's stationed out in and i have 14 year old and 11 year old daughter so it can be kind of financial challenge financially challenging at times just to even travel back to hawaii but you know at some point I will become an empty nester, and I, I would like to do some traveling. I definitely want to go to a lot of the European countries, mm-hmm. Greece, Italy. I definitely want to go to Italy. I want to see... I, I just have this fascination with a lot of the history of the world. So seeing places like the Colosseum, the Pantheon, um, a lot of the, the Greek and ruins, mm-hmm. those would be some fun things to really see. So definitely would, wouldn't mind traveling around Europe. I want to go to Scotland and Ireland. I just think the scenery there is uh, the landscape would be something really cool to see. Oh, and, and definitely castles. I, I want to see castles. <laughs> I think they have one or two of them there. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but I do, I would say that the two locations that I probably want, well, maybe three, places that I would want to travel to the most would be uh, New Zealand and Australia and Japan. Okay. I've just always been fascinated with Japan. Part of growing up in Hawaii, one of the advantages and one of the the, the cool things is that you're exposed to a lot of diversity of Asian cultures. So, you know, it's the melting pot for Asian cultures. You have Vietnamese, Japanese, Chinese, Korean, Thai. So there's a lot of Asian cultures. And in high school, we were offered 
for foreign languages. We were offered uh, Japanese language as a, as a language to learn. Okay. And so I signed up and I took one year of Japanese. That was the intent. It was just take one year. Uh, my freshman year, so in eighth grade, we're deciding what languages we want to choose because it was a requirement, you know, mm -hmm. one of the requisites for, uh, requirements for graduating. And, you know, we're at the gym and everybody has their, their lines and, you know, you have to actually go and sign up. You couldn't do the stuff <laughs> online. You know, this is pre-internet, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the lines between Spanish and Japanese and all the cute girls were going to Japanese. So that's how I decided <laughs> that, right? I'm not going to lie. So I signed up for Japanese, and it was it was challenging, but it was really cool. Got to learn a lot of the the alphabet, the the writing, the hiragana, the katakana. A lot of we had a, a day a week where it was culture day. We'd act out theater. We'd cook some different foods, and I wasn't the best at the the language at first. But as the year went on, I I, I got better, and I developed such a huge interest in the culture. That I decided to take it again my my second year. So my sophomore year I took Japanese two, uh, my junior year I took Japanese three, and then my senior year I TA'd for my my Japanese teacher. So very nice. Um, I just I just have a fascination with Japan. I think it's a a unique place that I'd like to go and see. Tokyo definitely want to go to different parts of the uh, the islands. Uh, Hokkaido would be another place that I'd like to go to. Mount Fuji would be something mm -hmm. really cool to see i'd also like to go and see china i, I kind of want to go and see the the great wall but right now this coronavirus going around mm -hmm. maybe not the best <laughs> best best idea probably not no no but and then australia and new zealand i think new zealand is a pretty cool place you know there's a lot of films that were filmed in mm -hmm. new zealand i believe the lord of the rings trilogy was all filmed in new zealand absolutely um so Again, landscape is just something that, you know, when something's that beautiful, you kind of want to go and see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And not to compare, you know, I, I grew up in Hawaii, which in its own right is a beautiful place, but I also like to see other other places. So those would be the places that I would like to travel to. Okay, okay. I mean, basically, I'm right there with you on all of those places. But I know you had said that the first time you had really kind of left Hawaii was for Washington, D.C., and it was for a school trip? Yes. So it was for uh, a school program called Close Up. And you, it wasn't just our school. It was a few different schools from Hawaii. And there were schools from three other states. And I, I can't remember which other states were there. I think it was Nebraska, one of the Dakotas, and, and somewhere else. But... You would have high school students from a variety of different schools from the from the state. Um, we would arrive in Washington D.C. and we would stand. They'd put us up in a hotel, and throughout the week, we would go ahead and attend different uh, seminars, uh, sightseeing things. Uh, we got to tour a lot of the monuments. And mind you, I was 17, so we had stuff on itinerary like, okay, going to the mall area. We're like, mm -hmm. oh, sweet, we're going to go shopping. No, it's the mall <laughs> area, which I learned that day, that week, was, you know, where the museums and the monuments were. Mm -hmm. So the uh, Washington Memorial and the Vietnam Wall, Korean Memorial, Lincoln Memorial, those were the all part of the mall area. So we had to do a bunch of fundraising. Me and uh, my buddy, Colin... We sold a bunch of pizzas <laughs> um, to, to raise some of the funds to, to pay for that. But yeah, that was a, a week-long trip. It was it was amazing. I definitely would love to go back to Washington, D.C. again mm -hmm. uh, as an adult now to, I think, I mean, I, I appreciated the trip when I was 17. It just kind of opened up my mind to what else is out there. I was living on a small island, and this is the first time I was exposed to you know, a, a big city, and then to also be exposed to uh, government and civics in such a way that really opened my eyes. It, it, it had a huge impact on on my life at that point. So I don't think I don't think I would have made some of the choices that I made if it wasn't for that trip. But it was fun. I mean, we got to sit, sit in uh, Senate um, hearings and uh, House hearings. Oh wow! Yeah, so we were like upstairs. There's like security checkpoints. 
you know, and, and that was over 20 years ago. I can't imagine what it's like now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, definitely safety and security was uh, was paramount importance. Well, so we take this group picture. When, this is one of the funny stories I, I have about this trip. Mm -hmm. We take this group picture where all the students are standing up and we're in, in front of the Capitol building. And it, they do a, I don't know what type of photography it is, but basically it's a camera that it's it scans left to right. Oh, like a so, panorama? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So um, <laughs> they had me being one of the shorter guys in front <laughs> to kind of even out the picture. I was at the left. And once the camera got to like past the halfway point, I had to duck down, run behind the front row and stand up at the end again. So I have this picture where there's two of me, <laughs> <laughs> you know, along with, I don't know, 80, 90 students or something like that. Um, it was pretty funny though. And mm -hmm. I was like, I, I, I don't recall why they made it, made me do that. And who knows, it could have been some joke. Like, look, we're gonna tell this kid, he's gotta run back there and we're gonna right. watch him do it. Right. But yeah, I, I still have that. That was uh, during that trip too. It was the first time that I ever, saw Les Mis uh, stage performance. Really? Yeah. So, again, tricked by the itinerary, 17 years old, theater night. I'm like, cool, we're going to see movies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we're actually taking you to a theater performance. And um, it was Les Mis, and I couldn't believe it. It was so amazing. Mm -hmm. And I've gone to see it three additional times since then. So, so I've seen it uh, four times. Oh, wow. But uh, it also introduced me to, you know, I went and saw Phantom twice, mm -hmm. Miss Saigon. Um, so, you know, just, again, something that opened, opened my eyes and opened my mind to something that I don't think I would have sought out mm -hmm. had it not been for those experiences. Very nice. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, I guess kind of staying in school, um, like I had, you know, I've I guess Travis with the first episode, but uh, I had you fill out a questionnaire uh, kind of before you came in, and on it it said uh, or asked about extra extracurricular activities, yes. and you said that you're you're both on the wrestling team and the math team. I was yes, so I loved mathematics. I mean, to this day, I, I still have a little bit of a niche for it. Mm -hmm. I, I like it, you know, and I'm not afraid to admit it. I mean, I was I was. A geek in a sense you know but I wasn't um, and I was on the wrestling team so it's, it was kind of <laughs> unique I mean looking back on things I kind of feel like okay I did certain things to to travel I mean I was part of other clubs as well we mm -hmm. had a there was a environmental protection club called Meepo it was the Molokai environmental protection organization and that was a student-run club and we did a lot of preservation and environmental conserving, uh, conservation activities. Mm. But with math team and with uh, wrestling, we had to travel a lot. So we had one high school on our island. Right. And we were a part of, at the time, and I, I believe it's still the same way, but we were part of Maui County. So Hawaii is made up of islands and Maui and Lanai and Molokai are three of the islands that are kind of in the middle. Maui is a popular destination. A lot of people know, oh, yeah, I've been to Maui. Um, you hear that quite often. Not so many people, you know, have ever been to Molokai or Lanai. Well, all three islands, Lanai had a single high school as well. And they were all part of the Maui Interscholastic League. So anytime that there were sporting events, we would compete with schools from Maui or we would compete with Lanai. And so Maui schools would travel to Molokai, Molokai would travel to Maui, we would travel to Lanai. So it was all a lot of inner island traveling. So, you know, it was an opportunity for us to get off the island, go mm -hmm. someplace to um, that was a little bit more populated. They had they had a lot more offerings. So Molokai, there's nothing on Molokai. There's no traffic light. It's one it's a two-way road that goes pretty much three quarters away around the island. <laughs> there's no major franchises, there's no McDonald's, no malls. Everything's family run and owned, you know, from the community. Molokai is probably, you know, I've heard this before that Molokai is still the most 
Hawaiian of all the major islands, uh, you oh, know, wow. not including Kauai or uh, Niihau. Now, Kauai, you have a lot of tourists that go there, timeshares and stuff, but uh, Niihau is a privately owned island. It was given to the Robinson family who uh, I believe they were missionaries, but that's a private island. You can't go there unless you're invited. All the other islands, Oahu, you know, everybody's familiar with Oahu. It's Honolulu. It's where Hawaii Five O is filmed. <laughs> it's Waikiki. Then there's Maui, which is another popular destination that people go to. The the big island, the island of Hawaii, um, that's one of my favorite islands. Um, there's 11 of the 13 world's climates all on one island. Wow. You can go from the desert all the way to the rainforest mm. all in the same day. Uh, there's snow-capped mountains. You know, Mauna Kea is the highest mountain in the world measured from base to to summit because it goes from the bottom of the ocean all the way up to the summit right? yeah that's correct so there's there's snow on the top there so you get the winter (laughs) (laughs) there and you can go to the west end where it's dry and you know it's the the desert land you have the rainforest in the southeast so um there's so much to do on that island and i i loved it but molokai is it's untouched mm. you you go there and it's like time stopped but i love it and that's one of the things that i i, I love about the island the the community is very active in in protecting and keeping molokai and its uh roots the same and preserved from outside influences and i think that's a great thing mm. so but again it was an opportunity you're not exposed to to malls and, and right. different things uh, whenever we would go get ready for the next school year, we would do a lot of our school shopping on Maui. So we would fly to Maui, you know, to go shopping for clothes, shoes, supplies, just because that's what, that's the nearest place where we could get those things. Right. And actually that, that kind of answers one of the questions that I had for you is, you know, in the contiguous United States, if you're going anywhere, a lot of times it'll be, you know, bus or car or anything like that. But if you're going in between islands, you're ways of travel are, are kind of limited <laughs> yeah we there was uh, two ways that we traveled by airplane and for for several years they had a ferry service that would would uh, go between Molokai Lanai and Maui mm. and so it was about a two hour maybe an hour and a half to two hour ferry ride oh, wow um, and in those channels you know there's some of the most roughest channels because of where Hawaii is located. You know, Hawaii is an island chain that was built up from a hot spot in the in in the Earth's mantle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as plate tectonics just kind of shifted everything over, that's how these islands just kind of popped up in that chain. But aside from that, it's just straight down ocean bottom. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that's why it's a popular place, you know, especially in that, uh, I can't remember the name of the channel, but in that ocean space between... Lanai, Maui, and Molokai, it's very common where during the spring you'll see a lot of humpback whales. So there were oh, wow. uh, whale-watching tours uh, off Maui that people would would go on, and you know we would see them all the time when we traveled. But yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that I think I joined those things because I was good at them, but it was an opportunity to, to, to leave the island, too. <laughs> no, I totally, totally can, can understand where you're coming from with that. Absolutely. So... After high school, you know, you had gone to Washington, D.C., uh, and then for college, you went to Oregon. Yes. <laughs> I guess, what, what made you choose Oregon to begin with? Funny story about that. <laughs> Remember how I was just talking about that uh, Washington, D.C. trip being so influential in a lot of the, the decisions that I've made? So while I was on that trip, I met a young lady from a different school. Mm-hmm. She was from a school on the Big Island, from the west side, from Kona. And I had some friends who I knew from Kona through wrestling and through a summer program that I used to attend called Upper Bound. Mm-hmm. And so when I found out there there were a group of students from Kona, it was, I believe, the first day that we were there. We were at one of the malls in Virginia, I think. And we were eating lunch and... I found a group of people and I asked them, hey, are you guys from Kona? And they were like, yeah, we're from Kona. So I asked them, do you guys know uh, Russell? And Russell was a uh, state champion wrestler from from their school. And he and I had become friends over the summer. And 
they all looked at this one girl and they pointed to her oh yeah and then i looked at her she looked familiar and so i went up to her and i said you know do you know russell and she's like oh yeah that's my ex-boyfriend i'm like oh okay well, did you guys go to a prom or a winter formal she's like yeah i said that's how i recognize you okay because I, I you know russell had showed me a picture over the summer and so we started, and I'm, you know, I said, oh, that's your ex-boyfriend. She's like, yeah, we're not together anymore. I said, oh, that's cool. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry to hear. But we we hung out for the rest of the day. And, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of clicked. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm kind of into this girl. And you know, it seems like she's kind of into me. And so we spent a lot of the, the time together over the week. We spent a lot of free time together. When we went to see Les Mis, she asked her friend to switch uh tickets with me so that we could sit together <laughs> so you know Lori and i got to sit together through the play and you know we held hands it was, it was just kind of kid stuff right teenager stuff and right right and um we exchanged addresses and sh- i let her know that i was going to be back in the big island that summer for another year with the upper bond program that i attended and she was like okay well you know um Let's stay in touch, and you know we maybe you can uh, we can visit. You know you can visit me when you when you're here. And I said, okay, cool. And again, this is predating email services, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A lot of the ways we stayed in touch was we we wrote letters. So when we got back home, Lori and I stayed in touch. We wrote letters back and forth to each other. And Lori actually went to the same school that my cousin, my younger cousin Jane, went to. And so my cousin knew her sister. I usually stayed with my cousin and my aunt and my uncle uh, for a couple of weeks after I left that program. So I had some time. So we stayed in touch. It mm-hmm. was it was, a, it was really cool. You know, we, we, we admitted to each other that we had liked each other and whatnot. So that summer after the program, I went and surprised Lori at her, her, her work. And she was working at this candy store. And I walked in and... You know, instantly that connection kind of sparked up again, and she and I, you know, started dating. Mm. And so um, that was that was the first time that I probably, you know, I, I would say that I fell in love with someone. And so we were together through most of our senior year, and then talk about colleges <laughs> came up. <laughs> so you know, some of her choices were Northern Colorado, Oregon came up as a choice. And I said, okay, well, Oregon's nice. I, I wouldn't mind going to Oregon. So we, we at some point, discussed that, hey, maybe we can go to Oregon together. And, um, you know, I applied to a variety of different schools. I, I scored well enough and had d- decent grades and a, a pretty good college resume that I, I think I applied to six or seven different colleges, including Hawaii, Caltech, Cal Berkeley, um, UCLA, Georgia Tech was another school I applied to, and I, I got accepted in Oregon, Oregon State, mm-hmm. Portland State. It's like, okay, well, we have this plan. We're going to go to Oregon together. Cool. So I committed to Oregon, and I can't remember when it was, but at some point, it was shortly before my birthday, so I think it was in January, uh, Lori called me up, and she dumped me, you know, and I was, I was kind of in shock as to why. And, well, that whole... Thing happened. Well, I already committed to going to Oregon, so that's mm-hmm. how I ended up going to Oregon. She ended up going to Northern Colorado, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of how I ended up in Oregon. Now, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's it's funny because I don't tell too too many people about the the whole story, about mm-hmm. like the whole details as far as what happened. But you no, know, I, I had I had several options, but. You know, I decided to follow my heart. I was, you know, 18 years old. And mm. I, I, I thought that uh, this had an opportunity to, to happen, and I, I, I took a risk. I took that chance. I took that leap of faith, and it didn't work out. Did it hurt when, uh, when it didn't? Yeah, absolutely. But it taught me a, a lesson that, you know, things are going to happen. You know, just, to, just because I planned it doesn't mean that's. The, that's what life has planned. So there's a difference there, um, and it was a lesson that I've I, I took with me and I've I've held with me for for all these years. You know, and it's, mm-hmm. you just got to take that chance. Sometimes it might work out, it might not. But you know, I would rather take that chance than 
than be wondering about what ifs, you know, what if I did this, what if I did that? That would be right. a, that would be a bigger regret than not, you know, than trying something and saying, no, it didn't work out. Well, I think that's pretty good advice. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you were at Oregon for two years, you said, before coming up here to Minnesota? Yeah, year and a half. Year and a half? Okay. What kind of made you want to go from, from Oregon to here? The first year of college, it was it was tough. It was a, a very difficult adjustment for me. Mm-hmm. It was a fir- I, I didn't have any classmates that were going to Oregon. I was literally up there by myself. I didn't have any family members who were in the state that could come and visit me or, or help me out. I was, I was really going from being a um, dependent on my family to all of a sudden you're completely independent. I had to work two jobs and my first trimester I was taking 18 credits. Wow. <laughs> so um, I dialed that back to 15 my second trimester, you know, when to balance things out a little bit. And, you know, again, it was still pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. I started off as a computer science major. And then after taking a few programming classes, uh, my second or third term, I was like, uh, I don't know if this is what I want to want to do. So I focused a lot of my efforts towards just getting my um, liberal arts stuff and I decided that I wanted to get into business instead. And I joined a fraternity. Things were going great, but I think a combination of having this this uh, independence, uh, being away from home, you know, I kind of lost my way a little bit. I got involved in with some some people who weren't probably the best influences for me. And I started to, to kind of spiral downhill and, and get away from a lot of my 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 goals, my plans, and even my, my values to a degree, you know, and, and that wasn't a good thing. So mm-hmm. I got to the point where I knew that I had to, to get away from that and I had to leave that situation. I, I, I know that it was probably going to disappoint my family because I was the first one in my family to attend a, you know, a four-year accredited university. But for me, I think it was, I had to do that. And I knew I didn't want to go back to Hawaii. And people often ask me, like, why don't, why didn't you want to just go back to Hawaii? And this also kind of is in line with why I choose not to go back there to, to live. Now, the economy in Hawaii is hard. The, the cost of living is, is really high. And after growing up and being there for 18 years, you know, I, I, I still knew that there was so much more that the world had to offer me that I wanted to go out and explore, that I just didn't want to go back home because if I, I went back home, I knew that I would end up just, I don't want to see it this way because it sounds like it's so negative, but I would end up being stuck there. And, and I just didn't want that for myself. So the opportunity to come up to Minnesota with my, my older brother and my older sister, you know, that was a more plausible option for me. And that's why I came up here. You know, and I was still in a place where I was with family and I could, you know, work. I was still deciding if I wanted to go and finish off my college degree. You know, there are opportunities up here. I could work, get, get my, my residency, you know, go to college and, and have to not pay the out-of-state tuition. Right. <laughs> uh, which was a lot at Oregon at the time. So, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so that's why I, I chose to came to, I, I chose to come to Minnesota was because at the time, I didn't want to go back to Hawaii, and because of the the situation I was in uh, Oregon, it was just it wasn't bad. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. It was mm. it was very very bad. So okay. I knew that I had to leave that situation. Otherwise, uh, it was just going to get worse if I had stayed. So, alrighty. Well, I guess uh, when you moved here, I was it was a, a few years ago, right? Yeah, nineteen ninety eight. Okay. <laughs> I've actually lived here in Minnesota longer than I, I lived in Hawaii. Believe it or not, which is wow. So I, I would, I would almost say I'm more Minnesotan than I am Hawaiian. But well, I mean, you got the spam down, but that could be either. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hawaii is the number one state that consumes spam. Yeah. And uh, a couple of years ago, we we uh, drove down to the spam museum in Austin, Minnesota, mm-hmm. and it was heaven. <laughs> I still have to make it down there. I haven't had a chance yet, but, oh, man, I really want to. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it was a nice drive during the summer to 
to go down there and it was an opportunity for Davin who he was still getting his permit I think he had no he had already gotten his permit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it was a good opportunity for him to do some driving on a highway you know pretty much straight shot so right right um, and it was a fun trip we didn't have anything else going on so <laughs> well I know you've 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 I wouldn't say talked about your kids but you know you said that you've had kids and everything have kids and everything like that and that well one of them just just joined into the Air Force not too long ago here. Yes. How was that experience for you, having having a child all of a sudden, you know, be part of the United States Air Force? Well, you know, Davin made a decision, I would say around the, when he was 14, that he wanted to join the armed forces. And I was um, 100% supportive of that decision, if that's what he, he truly wanted to do. And in retrospect, I had an opportunity to join the Air Force myself, you know, and looking back on it, it's one of the few things that I kind of wish I, I would have, you know, like I, I wish I would have taken that opportunity. So when he approached me and talked about how I, you know, asked me how I would feel about that, I was I was really supportive of, of him if he wanted to do that. And, you know, it was when he was 14, I, I didn't see, you know, you know, at 14 people say things, I just wasn't sure if there was something that was going to change over time mm-hmm. or if there was something that was going to stick with him and and he stuck with it so throughout the the years his high school years it was a goal of his and at first he wasn't sure about the air force you know he was you know looking at other branches of the military he looked at the marine corps he looked at army um, navy was not an option for him but he you know the air force was and he put in a lot of research and a lot of time and he spoke to a lot of recruiters then he had decided i believe his at the end of his sophomore year that he wanted to do the air force and looked at the possibility of doing the air force uh, version of special forces so they're combat controllers mm-hmm. and they're they're usually attached to a a special operations team so either navy seals maybe delta um the, all those joint operations and they're the ones that are usually responsible for setting up uh, uh, air traffic control and, and air support for their unit when they get deployed. So that was a goal that he he wanted to do and work towards. So he put in a lot of time at the gym. And it was kind of cool because, you know, I'm a young parent. I was 20 years old when I became a father. So Davin and I are only separated by about 19 years. So it's really cool growing up for me to, to grow up. And become a parent while having someone that I could do stuff with. I mean, mm-hmm. Davin and I, we were we're very close. I mean, you've engaged with us and you've seen that yourself. But you know, not a lot of kids his, his age can say that they got a dad that they've been playing Call of Duty with <laughs> <laughs> since they were fourteen, or that yeah, my dad's my my lifting partner at the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so or my dad and I went paintballing. You know, and things like that. When it started to become more of a reality that he was leaving and. It, it, it hit me hard it mm-hmm. was it was tough because he was actually like leaving um i remember him graduating and that was such a proud moment you know as a parent to see your your kid graduate and you know i was there at the graduation and i was like wow this is this is such a huge event and seeing him walk across the stage and him smile I was, it was a really proud moment right and i was so proud of him and a part of me started to to realize, though, that this is getting even closer to the mm. moment that he's actually going to be leaving. We actually talked him into taking a year off before the, uh, before uh, enlisting. So he, after graduating, he didn't immediately go into the Air Force. He took a, a year off, and he worked between working at the movie theater for me, and then he also worked landscaping over the summer. And... You know, it was really cool. It was really nice just to to spend time with him, to give him that that year break. But came February of uh, last year, and he went and signed his contract and got his date when he was shipping out for basic. Then I remember we were driving him to the hotel down in Bloomington where they would spend the night, and they would get bussed over to the um, what was it the headquarters down in St. Paul. And from there, he would be put on a plane, and they'd be flown down to San Antonio. Hmm. 
that night dropping them off after we dropped them off at the hotel we're all crying brothers and sisters mom crying just on the way back it was it was tough and then he goes off to basic training and it's eight and a half weeks limited contact they take his cell phone away we (laughs) back to writing letters again (laughs) and for i think two and a half maybe three weeks we didn't hear a word from him Hmm. and then all of a sudden we got one voicemail that says i've arrived at basic training i'm doing okay you know it was just kind of a scripted message like okay (laughs) and then we wrote letters almost every other day to him didn't get anything in return finally about the the fourth week they got a 10 minute phone call and it was nice to talk to him and and hear him then we started getting letters back and forth and we decided that we were going to go down to san antonio mm-hmm. in um september for his graduation and so we went down no i'm sorry it was july we went down in july for his graduation and i gotta say i was just amazed by the whole graduation ceremony and everything that i've never seen anything like that before in my life but the whole graduation weekend was just so amazing. It was so fun. Obviously, it was great because after not seeing you know, our son for nearly three, three months, it was good to see him. It was good to spend time with him. Poor guy. He had to be in uniform all weekend. I mean, like full-on mm-hmm. uniform. And it was July in Texas. <laughs> so there was uh, we went on the Riverwalk downtown san antonio and you know san antonio's they every other weekend or so they have a a class of graduates so they're you know they're familiar with the tourism and stuff but it was really fun because you could see all these graduates walking around full full dress uniforms Mm -hmm. just people coming up to davin just seeing people just say hey congratulations there man you know good job thank you so much and and things like that that was Really amazing, oh. yeah. And the ceremony itself, again, he he was actually part of a uh, a band flight, so he got to play trumpet again, which he did for a couple of years in in middle school and high school, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was part of that. He had to participate in a couple of uh, different other graduation ceremonies, having to march. But again, that was just something so spectacular to see. I mean, you have I don't even remember how many airmen graduated. But they had, I think, 12 flights or something like that. Or, you know, and each flight has like 48, mm-hmm. 60 people or something. It's just ridiculous. Wow. Um, but seeing them all march in formation onto the Air Mac and uh, the Tarmac, uh, seeing them all receive their coins, their airmen coins, and, you know, repeat their oath again to, uh, to serve and protect the country. And it was, it was really cool to see. So I, I, would, I would say that's one of the, the most amazing things that I ever got to experience and see in my life so far and but yeah i'm really proud of him he uh went to tech school immediately after he went down to florida he was actually at uh the same school where they had that uh, shooting a couple of months ago Mm -hmm. i think it was back in october and you know two people got killed but he was at that tech school fortunately he had already left when when that occurred i think it was like november or december maybe but he got to he said it was like college they were really put up in dorms and they had to attend classes and they couldn't go off base for the first couple of weekends you have to go through these phases mm-hmm. uh, but as soon as they phased up and they were able to go his every weekend he was off base <laughs> i mean that'd still be back by curfew but he, he was loving it going to the beach you know, right right in florida and then he uh came back home for a couple of weeks worked the out of the recruiter's office and now he's been out and just outside he's been out there working on plans <laughs> very nice very nice got a question for you how did you guys meet you and your wife through her brothers actually so her brother daniel we met geez 1999 i think and um we had actually met through mutual friends so but daniel and i became really close friends and he has a, a twin brother, Jeremy, and I didn't even realize for a while that they had a sister. And I'm like, wait a minute, you got a sister? Like, What's up, man? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, jokingly, of course. Mm. One time we were actually outside of uh, 
it was myself, Daniel, and our buddy Dustin. And Dan had to call home, and he was talking to his sister. And of course, and then Dustin and I were like, "Oh, you're talking to your sister. We want to talk to her." So Dustin was on the phone talking to her, and and then I tried to get on, and I was like, "Oh man, I guess you know, I guess Dustin's gonna have the one up on me on this one, right?" So I kind of put that to bed, and I you know a couple of months went by, and Dan was gonna spend a night at my place, and he's like, "Oh, can you take me home so I can grab some of my stuff?" I said, "Yeah, that's cool." So rolled over to his place and he's like oh you want to come inside and meet my family i said yeah sure so went inside got to meet his mom his stepdad at the time and and then his sister and i'm like oh hi you know how are you and so we started talking and daniel was getting stuff ready and her stepdad was just gassing me up like oh you need me my 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 stepdaughter you can talk to her and <laughs> blah 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 i'm like okay <laughs> um and so uh, before I left, I said, hey, you know, I'm having some people over to watch the Monday Night Football tomorrow. Do you want to come by? And um, no, actually, I had I actually called back after we left. That's it. Yeah. So Dan and I left and got back. I got back. To, we got back to my place and I'm like, OK, Dan, is it cool if I, you know, call your sister and invite her over tomorrow? He's like, I don't care. So called her up and like, hey, I'm having some people over tomorrow. You know, you want to come by we're gonna watch Monday Night Football and she's like yeah okay come on I'm down so she came over the next night and you know a bunch of my friends are there and you know we we watched a football game and then after the game Melissa was so nice that she actually drove everyone home and dropped them all off so we rode around and we dropped people off in Golden Valley mm-hmm. Hopkins St. Louis Park came back to my place and and we just hung out for the rest of the night. I mean, we hung out till like maybe 12, one in the morning. And we just sat there and just talked to each other, got to know each other a lot. And, you know, it was feeling pretty good. Then the rest of the week, we we just hung out. She would come over and we would watch TV. We would sit and talk and she would let me draw smiley faces on her arm or <laughs> things like that. Funny thing is though, at the time, my ex-girlfriend was still living with me. So, <laughs> Um, she was still on in transition on her way back to moving back out to, I think, Hector, um, Bird Island, Minnesota. <clears throat> and so I worked part time at the old skating uh, roller rink, uh, Cheapskate, that yep. was there at uh, where Aldi is now. Yep. And yep. so I worked there part time, and it was a Friday night or Saturday night, and I was working, and Melissa came up to see me. And all of a sudden, my ex-girlfriend, who was living with me at the time, she, she I don't know if she f- faked it. I'm, I'm not going to say otherwise, but she had hurt her knee and had to go to the emergency room. So I had to take her into the emergency room. Melissa was kind enough to to uh, come with. And this is going to sound so horrible. <laughs> but while my ex-girlfriend was in the ER room, Melissa and I are in the waiting room. I asked Melissa to be my girlfriend. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's how we met, you know, three kids later. Yeah. Wow. I know you're kind of talking about, you know, growing up with your son being, you know, somewhat close to you in age and everything like that. Was there, was there any kind of, I guess I would say, you know, scary or learning moments that you can recall kind of within the first couple of years of of having your first kid all of it was learning experience man <laughs> let me tell you you can read all the parenting books you can listen to all the advice that people want that they they want to offer you mm-hmm. whether uh you know you're asking them for it or not nothing really truly prepares you to be a parent mm-hmm. and every every day was just a, a learning experience with uh with him being a firstborn you know um just trying to figure out and navigate life and yeah, I used to be such a heavy sleeper, but when Davin was born, just a slight change in his breathing pattern at night would would be enough to wake me up, and I would be over his crib listening to make sure he's okay, you know, uh, just things like that, mm-hmm. having to relearn how to change a diaper, and you know, what do you do in these situations, you know, as a as a first time parent? But let me tell you, that kind of stuff prepares you. There's nothing, no better preparation for being being a parent than having your first kid because then your second kid comes around right and carly she's 14 
Davin was we were so on top of everything right he spiked the fever oh we got to go to urgent care we got to go here let's let's go now mm-hmm. you know carly comes around oh you know she's got a fever oh well let's you know let's wait a little bit to see if we can get it to 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 break and and then if it doesn't then we'll take her in and then there's shay okay my 11 year old number three she can have a fever she could have you know it's just we we joke about this as parents and i, I talk about this with other parents like by the time the third and fourth show up you know they could they could have a, a gash in their knee and bleeding profu- profusely. Mm. And we're like, oh, okay, let's rub a towel. Yeah, we got to go to ER. Okay, well, let's go and stop at McDonald's because we're going to be there for a little bit. Let's go and get some food. Whereas the first kid, you'd be like from home to ER right away doing 85, mm-hmm. just crazy panicking. By the third kid, you're like, uh, you know what? Should we stop off at Walgreens? Do we need anything <laughs> at, uh, at um, Holiday before we go? We're going to be there for a while. But yeah, I, I mean, being being a parent, and as young as I was at the time, you know, when Melissa was eighteen, I was twenty. We were we were young. We were we weren't even really adults, mm-hmm. you know. And so, it was a truly learning experience trying to to raise a kid. Now all of a sudden, I'm not just responsible for me anymore. I'm, you know, I'm responsible for this little human being. I have to. Uh, to try my best to to set a good example, the choices that I make now just don't affect me; they affect my my child. Mm-hmm. So it forced me and Melissa to have to grow up a lot quicker than we probably would have if we didn't have, you know, uh, if we didn't have had Davin. Um, but let me tell you, becoming a dad the first time, the second time, the third time. Those are the, probably some of the happiest moments of my life. Nothing like seeing that, oh my gosh, there's this little human being that I helped create. You know, they're they're alive now. And then as, as they get older, it makes it so much tougher when they leave, man. Mm-hmm. Like, da- like Davin leaving was was tough. And then now I have to go through it two more times with my, my daughters at some point. It kills me to think about. So I try not to think about it, but I think... You know, every parent out there can relate. You know, it's 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 never easy seeing seeing your kid leave. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess uh, going going from that kind of oh, what's the what's the best word to describe? Because it's, it's, it's not sad. It's you know, yeah, whatever. But going going from kids to I guess another form of quote unquote kids, pets. Oh yes, <laughs> pets. So I know I know you got a cat not too not too long ago here. Yeah, um, well, there we had two cats, okay. and one of them, unfortunately, Nixon got sick, and we had to put him down. But mm-hmm. um, not even a year after we had Nixon, we picked up Rigel, and Rigel's also, you know, he was a he and Nixon had the same father, different moms, so they're brothers, but. He came on board and joined the family maybe eight, almost a year after we had Nixon. And they were inseparable. They At first, they didn't like each other, but then, you know, you could really tell that they were brothers. And then when we had to put Nixon down, that was really tough. The second time that I've had to, that we really lost a cat. You know, I we, we had a cat named Kuma, and he was an all-black cat. I don't even know what breed he was, but he was just the coolest cat ever and um putting him down because he was sick that was that was hard in itself and for a while i didn't want any more any more pets any more cats Mm -hmm. and then you know my niece she's got some cats and they had some kittens and like oh okay well let's let's get one you know and that's how we got nixon and then we got rigel like okay cool then having to put um nixon down that was tough but now we just have rigel and I have a lot of battle scars, <laughs> and it's not the cat's fault. You know, I I mess with him a lot, and we we we, we rough house a little bit. And I, sometimes he'll, you know, if I I haven't trimmed his nails, he'll he'll get in there pretty deep. And mm. but yeah, love the guy. Uh, he's cats are so cool. I, I I grew up liking dogs more than cats. Actually, I kind of I've been kind of looking at puppies too <laughs> recently, <laughs> but. The very first pet I remember having growing up was 
a German Shepherd Akita mix. And his name was Ali'i. And Ali'i is Hawaiian for chieftain. Mm. And he was such a cool dog. And, you know, I was kind of a toddler, so my memories, you know, aren't maybe as clear. But I remember a few instances and you know of my interactions with him. He would, when my, my grandparents would leave, he would sit at the end of the driveway and he would just lay there and not let anybody come into the yard unless he knew who they were at night we would you know we would chain them up to our macadamia tree well we we have uh, we had other dogs in the neighborhood and there was the neighbors to the south of us they had two dogs and one time they they got loose and they came over to our yard and ali'i was chained up to the our macadamia tree and Yes, I had a macadamia tree. <laughs> we'll get back to that. Um, but he was chained up to the macadamia tree, and he broke his collar and chain, and they got into a little bit of, of a fight, and he um, chased them back to their dog houses, and he sat outside of their dog houses and made sure that they didn't come out. I mean, he had a little bit of a small cut, but, yeah, he chased them both back there. And then uh, to the... East of us, there was a boxer. His name was Brutus. And Brutus came over one time, and Ali'i put him in his place, too. But eventually, the dogs all got, you know, they would they all started to get along. They form a little neighborhood pack, and Ali'i would take them out into the uh, pineapple fields, and he'd go and run them, and we would call them, and they'd all come back. Very so, nice. Yeah, I mean, that was... So he, he was basically the leader of the pack. Yeah, he was, he was the alpha of the neighborhood dogs. Very nice. Yeah. And then one day he left. We, we tried calling him back at night, and he didn't call, come back. So he probably knew it. He, I mean, he was getting old. He was getting mm-hmm. up there in age. But that was he was like the coolest dog that I, I can remember from my childhood. And we had a couple of other dogs, but none that was even remotely close to, to him. <laughs> All righty. Well, I, I, now that you mentioned it, I do want to kind of get back. To the macadamia nut tree. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, growing up in Hawaii has its benefits. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I loved my 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 childhood and being being able to grow up in in such a beautiful place. In our yard alone, right, we had uh, a Hawaiian mango tree that, when we transplanted and moved to a different part of the yard, in its place, a tangelo tree, which is a hybrid between a uh, tangerine and orange plant uh, grew in this place and everybody would always come over i mean this tangelo tree produced fruit so much and everybody loved it mm-hmm. and it was our house was like the one place to get it we had a mandarin tree we had two mango trees the macadamia nut then i think three banana trees so wow. that was just in our yard now <laughs> the neighbors to the north of us had had a couple of mango trees oh we had a papaya tree too Hmm. Neighbors to the north of us had pomegranate. Neighbors to the south had mango and avocado. There were mountain apples, a couple of houses north of us, uh, guava. I mean, literally, I had to walk maybe half a mile to my bus stop in the morning, and I had fresh breakfast every morning. (laughs) Okay, I mean, you just pick it fresh from... uh, So, (laughs) you know, there's this whole big thing about avocados right mm. it's kind of one of the big i wouldn't i don't want to say trendy thing but it's gained I, a lot of popularity recently. yeah but we, we used to sit in the avocado tree and we it's horrible because we would we would eat like half of it throw it the other half of it, and we were wasteful at the time but you know i grew up eating avocado i grew up eating mangoes so it's it's i miss mango more than i miss avocado because Avocados, I can go to any grocery store and I can get. Mm-hmm. But mangoes, like fresh picked mangoes, you just can't get here. I mean, you can go to certain places, but it has to be in season. Right. But we spent a lot of our childhood like in these trees eating <laughs> all these things. I mean, mango. One of my preferred ways of eating mango was when it wasn't even ripe. We had these green mangoes, and we would cut the uh, skin off, and we would make... You know, you just have a knife, and we'd slice these up, and um, we'd put it into a mixture of soy sauce, vinegar, and and black pepper, and you just dip it in and eat it that way. 
avocado we see avocado with uh, sugar and half and half creamer okay <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of different things that uh that we did growing up <laughs> but again that was just just part of you know one of the reasons why i i love my childhood the fact that you know molokai is known for it's the community being able to to be sustainable off of the the land and the sea right so we grew up fishing farming and hunting so i had a little bit of a small we had gardens we had not just in our yard but we had a couple of different properties um near our home that we had different vegetables that we we grew and you know we took what we needed whatever we didn't we would go and sell to our neighbors you know same with fishing we would go out and we would catch a bunch of fish we would take what we would need and we would go and sell to our neighbors because everybody you know mm-hmm. some of the uh the older members of the community they can't get out and fish and, and garden anymore so we can do that and they give us money you know we have a source of income and they have another source of food that they didn't have to go out and and do but right. i mean we used to have fish fries we would go out <laughs> and and catch a bunch of fish my aunt and my grandma my mama um they would be on a beach they would have the fire and they would have these metal grates over the trash can that was you know in the sand and have firewood going and we would come on shore with coolers of fish scale the fish clean it run the grill i mean not just fish octopus lobster i mean it was just i don't know it was amazing you know all the kids would be swimming and but yeah those those were some of the the fond memories i have about growing up there man well yeah i think i think right there is a a pretty good and and happy place to kind of see if we can wind things down a little bit i do have just one more question for you sure that i would really love to get your answer if you could time travel back you know 10 15 20 years to your former self and you could say two sentences what would those sentences be oh jeez you know i think i when i answered this question initially on your little questionnaire <laughs> my my answer was buckle up buttercup <laughs> But if if I in in all honesty, I think the couple of sentences I would probably tell myself to say is continue to learn and always be prepared. You know, I think um, everyone should try to continue to to expand their knowledge, but at the same time, you know, always be prepared because you just never know what could happen. Uh, a great example is you know what happened this past weekend with uh, the tragic news of the helicopter crash that mm. that killed Kobe Bryant and, and right. his daughter and and seven other people you know and I mean you can't prepare for something like that but you should always try to make sure that you're making the best of your life that you're not leaving things go unsaid you know because you never know if you're gonna have the opportunity to say it again you know that's probably what I would say continue to, to learn and always make sure that you're prepared very nice well I, th- I think that just about kind of wraps it up here for us. Uh, Justin, again, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> first off, agreeing to <laughs> be on here and then, you know, actually coming on and being a guest here on the What's Your Name podcast. You know, it's, as I've said before to, to many people, you know, I love hearing people's stories. It's, that's one of my favorite pastimes is, is just listening to stories, whether it's, you know, people that have made documentaries or just, just talking to people yeah thank you <laughs> yeah no it's been my pleasure thank you so much for asking me to be a part of this you know i i've enjoyed it you know and i i'm looking forward to future episodes that you do and and see who else you can get on here i i mean i just like you i enjoy listening to people's stories so you know i i'm really looking forward to to who else you you have as guests so it's been fun thank you perfect well and uh also thank you so much for listening uh we'll be back with another episode and another interesting story on the next episode of What's Your Name? (laughs) 